everyone welcome to episode 19 of misaligned we have a great discussion for you this week as some of you may have heard the free kesha hashtag has been going around lately so we were we're going to kind of dive into that whole situation with her and dr luke and the ruling that the judge sided with sony on but first we want to quickly cover some news It's been a while since we've talked about, you know, upcoming releases and that sort of thing. So this week we have Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, this unruly mess I've made. And I know personally I'm looking forward to that just because of, you know, how much attention White Privilege 2 garnered. And Caitlin, are you looking forward to this at all or are you not a huge Macklemore and Ryan Lewis fan? I'm not. I know nothing. (laughs) What about you, Megan? I'm kind of in the same boat. He's got some good jams, but otherwise, I'm just like, okay, it's another Macklemore album. <laughs> yeah, whatever. Personally, I think if either of you are kind of interested in learning a little more about Macklemore's story and everything, I highly suggest looking into his older stuff, like everything before the heist, basically, because the heist exploded so mu- much and so quickly that I think it kind of blew a lot of things out of proportion for the way people kind of looked at or thought about Macklemore and Ryan Lewis, because he did a ton of material before Ryan Lewis came along. I believe the first time he worked with Ryan Lewis was on the Versus EP, and that was definitely really good, and that kind of led into the heist, and then all this hype started, so now obviously we're hearing about them a lot more, especially with you know that White Privilege 2 song. But moving on, we also have the 1975 with a very, very long album title called I Like It When You Sleep For You Are So Beautiful Yet So Unaware Of It. I'm not sure if that's creepy or not, but it almost sounds like it should be the title of a Fallout Boy song. (laughs) I was just (laughs) thinking that. (laughs) Yes, that is exactly what it sounds like. Yeah, I'll be interested to kind of see what that sounds like because you know their first album was so big and then it seems like that was so long ago that I kind of need to go back and listen to it again <laughs> before I dive yeah, into I this one. I have to admit I've never I've never heard a 1975 song so I should probably do that. <laughs> Just gra- Grandma Caitlin over here like knows nothing. <laughs> Just go listen to Chocolate and that'll tell you everything you need to know. <laughs> Ooh, and sex. And sex. (laughs) Yeah. And then The Rocket Summer. I know both of you know who this is, but he... I do! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Zoetic? Zoetic? Something like that? That album is also coming out this week? Okay. I've actually heard really good things about this, so those three albums are kind of the three that are on my listen-to list for the week, which I'm quite behind on listening to new music because I still haven't listened to the new Rihanna album or Kanye's album, which everyone keeps telling me to do. So I'll get to those eventually. We'll see how it goes. <laughs> and then I added I added the Dirty Nail on that list. Um, 
Canada in general is producing a lot of really great music right now. And the Dirty Nil is one of those bands. Um, they have an album coming out on Friday the 26th called Higher Power. Um, I am supposed to be reviewing it for Absolute Punk. So I'm hoping to get that out this week if anybody wants to check that out. But it's um, definitely for fans of high energy pop punk, but it's definitely a little heavier than uh, the typical pop punk that we talk about on here. So I would say I talk a lot about Pup because I love those guys <laughs> and I love their music, but it's definitely for fans of Pup and anyone's into uh, anything a little heavier. So I'm excited about that and I'm excited for everybody to get to hear it. Nice, nice. And speaking of Pup, yeah, I am so excited. Well, okay, so I this band, they're friends of mine. I, they've become friends over the past few years. Um, South by Southwest is coming up, which is obviously a very huge thing in Austin. Um, this will be my ninth year uh, to do South by Southwest stuff, um, and Pup will be in town for that. But they did just announce a tour um, this past week uh, with Roswell Kid. Um, so just another beautiful side one dummy tour. Uh, I highly recommend that everybody checks that tour out or at least uh, checks to see if they're coming near you. Um, it should be really awesome. Uh, it's a spring-summer tour, so it's happening in a, in a couple months. And Refused also announced a tour, um, which I only kind of recently over the past three or four years have gotten into this band, even though they were more of a staple at the end of the 90s. Um, I'm not sure if I'm going to go to the show but it's a really cool tour. It's a lot of smaller venues, um, really small venues in Texas. Uh, I know it's in some larger theaters in other states, but if you're a Refused fan, check it out and see if you can get into one of the smaller shows because that should be really fun. Nice. And we have some additional news that's not really related to releases or tours or anything, but Haley Williams and Chad Gilbert are officially married. Their wedding was, I believe, Saturday in Nashville. So, you know, congrats to them, the queen of pop punk over there settling down. (laughs) Oh, gosh. (laughs) I can't wait to see what her dress looks like. It was super cute. I've seen some Instagrams. I have a a girl that I follow who is a photographer was there and pretty freaking adorable. I mean, she's adorable. I gotta go creep. (laughs) Yeah. Creep hard. Creep hard. I think there's a hashtag that's just like Haley and Chad or something like that. I'm not sure. That's Uh, cute. But it's, it's pretty adorable. So I don't even care that much that they got married, but they're adorable. So I support it. Nice. All right. Well, we're going to go ahead and dive into our discussion now. Megan, why don't you go ahead and kick us off with the Femsplain article you shared with us that we read and will be talking about now? Yes. So earlier this week, um, Femsplain... Actually, I should say first that Femsplain is a wonderful website and that wonderful. you should really, really support it. Um, they're actually going to stop publishing articles for, I think they said the month of February just to, or the month of March just to take a break because they want to be able to pay their contributors instead of having people just write and get their names out. Anyway, go support cool. Femsplain. That's awesome. That, that's my spiel right now. But yes, earlier, um, I think this came to light, what, last week? Ray Witt wrote a piece called These Men Don't Understand What I Mean by Hold Me Down. And this is kind of a good refresher from what we talked about in episode 17 when we talked about Bethany Costantino's Lenny Letter article. Um, This is a firsthand account 
Byray Witt, who works with Complex Magazine, does a lot in the R&B world. And firsthand accounts like this kind of make me question some days if I want to be a music writer as opposed to being a news-focused journalist um, instead of focusing on entertainment, just because it's disheartening to read accounts like this where men don't take women seriously or as seriously as they should, that sort of thing. Especially when she goes into the article and says, uh, where is it? I just had it. Mm -hmm. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Out of nowhere, his pushy twerp of a tour manager came over and told me he'd ordered an Uber for us to head back to his hotel. I laughed and let him know I wasn't going anywhere, at which point the artist turned to his manager and said, she told me. We were in Brooklyn and I live in Brooklyn. And what would I go back to the city for? So the manager looked me in the eye and before walking away, he said to me, your loss. I am confident this does not happen to male editors. Because clearly missing the opportunity to go back to a rapper's hotel room at 3.30 in the morning is a huge loss. Like, that just sounds sketchy to me. Yep. Yeah, definitely. It's it's really disheartening. And I mean, I'm thankful that I'm over here without super bad experiences like that and like many others that I've read. Um, but I know that they're looming for me in the future. And thankfully, I think I've only been questioned once about actually being a writer but that's because I went to um, a specific venue twice in one week for two different shows, two different interviews, and was on the list of people to actually like get into the show. Don't question. Still got questioned. But it, it was like he was trying to place me as if I were a girlfriend or just like a super close girl confidant of the artist. And that's obviously not the case. Yeah, I mean, I've had instances like that um, where I've been assumed to be a girlfriend or have been told, you know, like, no girlfriends backstage, blah, blah, blah. But what I think I really liked about Ray's article is that, you know, she 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 mentioned and addresses that, like, well, that incident to her is not as you know huge of a deal as a lot of the other things that we've been covering and the actual like physical abuse and that kind of stuff and the touching. And it's still it's still important. Um, and it's still a really real thing that's happening and that, you know, it's kind of a really good example of where all of this is stemming from. Right. That it's everything is our loss kind of thing and that there is doubt in general. Um, but I, I really like how she does address that, you know, this isn't the biggest deal, but it's still a deal that needs mm -hmm. to be addressed. And then she also goes in and talks about um, Chris Brown, where she yeah. just straight up says, we're talking about the industry that forgave Chris Brown for beating up Rihanna. So if women try to get or if women try to speak up about this or things that happen to them, they get blacklisted in a way. Whereas if men do something horrible like Chris Brown, they tend to redeem themselves in the eyes of the public by doing stuff like community service. And I know that down here in Virginia, Chris Brown did his community service. And I think it was in Richmond. I remember seeing um, an article in my local paper about his mural that he helped paint for community service. Oh, wow. How yep. valuable. <laughs> I know. I don't really understand that because it's like it was his punishment to do community service. It's not like he was doing it because he wanted to. Exactly. And even then there were still some loops and little holes in his community service or something like that. But it, it just was they're glorifying this man who beat up this girl and basically caused her career to tank while he started rising. And it's 
kind of like the women are the ones that get that weird double standard placed on them and it sucks. Whereas men can do all these horrible things and redeem themselves and be seen as martyrs for the community and women just kind of get the short end of the stick. Yeah. And kind of going off of this, I know, Caitlin, you want to give a little timeline on the whole Kesha situation, but I think this is a good lead in into that just because of the fact that things like this are so much more amplified in the music industry, in the entertainment business, and that sort of thing. So, Caitlin, why don't you go ahead and give us that quick rundown of the whole Kesha situation timeline? Yeah, for sure. So I feel like most people are at least aware that something is going on with Kesha. It has to do with Sony and her recorder, um, or her producer, recorder, producer, Dr. Luke, who is not a doctor. Um, And basically... I wanted to just kind of talk about what happened before and when it all started, which if you dig hard enough, I mean, you can find that information, but I feel like a lot of people have not. And it is a lot of garbage to wade through um, when you Google, you know, what's going on with Kesha um, or Kesha's legal battles. It's it took me a few pages to actually come to an actual article that was not you know, from TMZ or (laughs) MTV or some bullshit like that. And I'll talk more about that in a little bit. But basically what happened is Kesha was introduced to Dr. Luke um, when she was like 17 or 18 years old. Um, And more or less, he convinced her that it would be a good idea to drop out of high school and move to L.A. so that she could focus on recording and that he was going to help her you know, kind of mentor her and help her become this huge pop star. Um, So she did. She signed a contract with him in 2005. um, And that's when a lot of the abuse really became a lot more apparent. There were instances of her reporting being drugged. Um, He would, you know, physically abuse her. He verbally abused her. And a lot of his verbal abuse kind of contributed, a lot of it contributed to her downward spiral and um, battle with bulimia, which she was recently um, in the hospital for, or checked herself into like a hospital rehab kind of center uh, to work on that eating disorder. Um, So in 2004, late 2004, Kesha decided that it was time to file suit against him, um, more or less because she wanted to get out of the contract she had signed with Sony. Um, Through Sony, she had signed to Dr. Luke's label, Kimosabe Records, and she was supposed to produce, I think, seven or eight albums with him. And basically, she's done two and doesn't want to work with her rapist anymore. Um, And it really comes down to, I think what's impressive is that she doesn't necessarily, you know, want him behind bars. She doesn't want him in jail. All she wants is to not record with him is what it comes down to. Um, Sony says they've given her that opportunity, but she's declined because she wants out of the contract entirely. She thinks that if she doesn't record with Dr. Luke, she's not going to be promoted as well. It's not going to be advertised as well, kind of as a, um, I don't know, maybe it wouldn't be intentional, maybe it would, whatever. So long story short, now um, just this week, a judge delivered a verdict that would not allow Kesha to record outside of her contract. Um, Dr. Luke is also countersuing Kesha for defamation of character, um, which is being heard in a different setting. Um, So it's kind of like been this long ongoing process, obviously for Kesha the past 11 years, but a lot of this started in late 2014 and the judge has just, the judgment has just been kind of sent down. The case is definitely still pending. Um, Just because they've denied this injunction doesn't mean that 
it's not going to happen. So the case is still continuing until the two parties settle or the judge makes a very definite ruling. So a little complicated. I think the biggest issue is that it's really, really difficult to find information, like I was saying, from outlets that are not music news websites um, because it is music news. Uh, but the best article and actually most researched article I found was one on Medium um, that was written, I can't remember, it was written by a girl and I should know her name. I don't have it pulled up right now. Um, but hers was really, it was more about addressing kind of holes in the case that she had read and that kind of stuff. But if you don't have knowledge of court cases and legal battles and how all of that works, um, you know, the minute details of a recording contract, I can't imagine it being easy to properly report on this. So I think that's what's been really frustrating is getting information that's not biased. Um, one of the links that we looked at was from Washington Post, which is typically a better resource. But even that article was written by a girl who wrote a book about being a wedding reporter. That is, but I'm just guessing she probably does not have a legal background. Um, so I don't know. That's that's what's been really frustrating. Probably not. I find it to be really fascinating. But yeah, there's definitely, um, I'm sure there's information that we're missing and that, you know, the music news sites are missing, especially because the case is still continuing. So I'd be really curious to kind of see where all of this goes. Yeah. And the thing is, with Kesha being so young, when, you know, Dr. Luke convinced her to start recording with him and everything is... We don't entirely know if she even had a lawyer look over the deal or if it was just his lawyers or, you know, Sony's lawyers who were like, here's this right. contract, you should sign it. Personally, I, I've read a fairly short recording contract and it was still 18 pages. Yeah. And I was reading it in high school when I was interning at a recording studio and I literally fell asleep on the couch reading it. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of one of those things you, you know, like a movie, like the starry eyed, young, naive, 18 year old, blah, blah, blah. So I can see definitely where that already probably didn't start off well. And then the fact that this guy is a huge producer and has put out so many hits. Um, you know, he did Kelly Clarkson since you've been gone and all of that. Like Kesha was probably chomping at the bit to get to work with someone like that. Um I don't know. So it's kind of one of those things where, you know, like, oh, well, he convinced her and he did this and he did that to her and blah, blah, blah. I've seen a lot of stuff where people are like, well, she shouldn't have done that. She just shouldn't have. Why did she let him convince her? And why did she, you know, but it's uh, it's that idea that when it's someone that you really look up to and are looking to as a mentor and someone that you should be able to trust um, that sometimes that's kind of a blinder that I see there. So that that's been an issue for me too, is that there's definitely a lot of victim blaming happening, which isn't surprising though. Yeah. And right now the real problem is, you know, the amount of records that she has left to do on this contract, you know, most people probably wouldn't today sign deals that are that long. You know, maybe they right. do two, two, three records or something and then reevaluate after those few yeah. records. But the problem with contract law, I only took a few classes on this sort of thing. And it was more a broad contracts class. So it wasn't focused on, you know, music industry and that sort of thing. But it's very, very hard to get out of a signed contract. 
Yeah. And well, that's another thing is that, you know, Dr. Luke is saying, oh, she's just bringing all of this up to get out of the contract. Um, it's kind of like, well, where where was this report? Like when it, the supposed abuse was happening, why didn't she report sooner? Blah, blah, blah. The same thing you hear with any kind of survivor of abuse. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And personally, this kind of reminded me of the whole Bill Cosby situation that's going on right now. It's like, just because Kesha came forward doesn't mean she's the only one. Right. You know, like with the Bill Cosby thing, we saw one woman come forward and then a whole bunch came forward after her, even though for that specific crime, the statute of limitations ran out. And I feel like the same thing with Dr. Luke having been, you know, a big producer since the late 90s. Obviously, if this happened early in his career, too, statute of limitations would have run out. But we see Kelly Clarkson, Katy Perry backing up Kesha. And those are two huge artists in the music industry who have worked personally with Dr. Luke. And it's like if Sony can't realize there's a problem, it's kind of like they just have a blind spot for Dr. Luke because he's probably made them more money than they could ever imagine just with this even just the singles he's written not necessarily the work he's done on full albums and that sort of thing so it's like Sony is probably in denial that he's done any of this because then that will also ruin their reputation you know so it's kind of this big thing that no one really wants to touch because it could ruin so many things, not just what's been happening with Kesha. Yeah, and that's what I mean. I find crazy after reading a little bit more about the case, the judge, who is a woman, her name is Shirley Kornreich, um, she was quoted as saying, my instinct um, on this case is to do the commercially commercially reasonable thing. Um, And I think that is where all of these problems really stem from. Um, especially in this case, that in their eyes, um, you know, a a female pop star is a business Um, to these monster companies. It's not a person. It's a it's a money issue. It's a dollar sign. So the fact that even this judge um, is looking at this case from a commercial, commercially reasonable point of view is just unbelievable to me. Uh, It's this idea that maintaining a successful business versus protecting, you know, the physical and mental mental well-being of a person, like, that's just the key to everything that's happening in this case, is that you're either going to look at it from a business standpoint or you're going to look at it from a human standpoint and say, you know, where where is the importance in this? And one of the things that's happening in the case right now, based on, you know, what I've read, is that they're basically telling her, like, you need to go back and provide more evidence of this abuse before we can make a better judgment, which is shitty because we all know if it's abuse that happened within the past 10 years, there's not evidence. There's not going to be that evidence unless there are witnesses or other stories that can come out. So the fact that the judge said that and it's not just coming, you know, as a statement from Sony is, I think, even a bigger problem than just what's happening in the music industry. Right. It is. It is. I mean, this is also going to show that he's got so much power mm-hmm. over things. And that's not okay. It shouldn't be a case of having money money talk over actual allegations. It's kind of lessening the extent of what's going on. 
Because obviously, if you have money, you'll get more power. Yeah. And the thing with what the judge decided, if that sticks, personally, I think the best option for Kesha, even though she'll still be stuck on the label, is to really just record with a different producer and kind of let your fans market the release for you. Because whether or not Sony does something, with the amount of people we've seen supporting Kesha, especially like we mentioned, the artists that are behind her on this, just those artists alone could get Kesha so many album sales. So, you know, I think even though the system would have failed her, basically, if she can just, you know, kind of plow through recording some new records with a different producer and get herself out of this contract, which kind of reminds me a little of what Green Day did with their last set of albums. You know, I heard that they were doing the Uno Dos Trey just to kind of get out of their recording contract that they had. Mm-hmm. And I feel like, you know, maybe just hit the studio, record a ton of songs, you know, maybe release an album every six to nine months if you have to, right. and just to get shit, out of this. <laughs> right. And I'm sure her fans that are supporting her will be able to provide her with, you know, hopefully at least enough money to keep herself afloat during this. But it's really sad to see that she has to kind of resort to this just to get out of a contract because, Caitlin, how many albums did you say she had signed the contract for again? I don't know. I didn't see how many she had signed okay. it for, but I know she is has she has six left. And I think she has... I think commercially she has two albums so i'm assuming both those albums were made with him okay so it was like two and an ep maybe an EP, yeah so that would make sense maybe yeah so maybe like eight eight recordings or something like that i don't know yeah so she uh, still has a long ways to go on the yeah. contract basically well, and seeing seeing the pictures of her in court when they announced it like she looks like a scared young child and right. i can't that's probably how she's feeling if that's when the abuse started like knowing that even if you're released from recording with him that you're going to be working in his building with him and having to face some someone who's obviously a manipulative asshole right um like I just, I just can't imagine how devastating that is. Um, I don't know. Like even with all of that, you know, just you know, make the albums, do what you got to do, record with somebody else. Like I still can't imagine, like the fear that she has to have of like I don't know, even just like passing him in the hallway, like that kind of shit, because um, it's terrifying. Because that I mean, again, it's a power thing. He has that power um, in that situation, regardless, and that's. That's what I think she wants to get rid of. Yeah, I definitely agree. But I think right now she could really take advantage of all the support she's been getting. Oh, So say she goes in, records an album, has it finished within the next few months or something. I feel like the support would still be there that if this next album could be so big that Sony couldn't ignore it. Right. Maybe they'd realize that they need to help her promote her future albums that are on the label, even if she doesn't want to work with Dr. Luke, which no one would blame her for, except for Dr. Luke or Sony, apparently. But I feel like if she could make just so much noise about this next release that, you know, no one could ignore it, it would really help her case. Yeah, I agree. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't like, know. The good the good news is I think the case isn't over. Right. It's not like this was a final ruling or judgment. So they're is some hope there? I don't know. So I'm, you know, fingers crossed. Yeah, and I mean, there's always the appeals process, which could go mm-hmm. on 
for a long time. I mean, I've been listening to, you know, podcasts like Serial and Undisclosed, which followed up Serial season one. So they've kind of, Undisclosed has kind of been showing everyone through the appeals process and everything that Adnan, the boy who was put away for murdering his ex-girlfriend at the time or whatever, he has like done appeal after appeal after appeal. And this case was in like 1999. Right. And now it's 2016 and he's just finally, he finally went back to court this February. But I mean, obviously it's a little different because, you know, Kesha's obviously not going to jail for any of this, but she can still appeal everything because this is more so a civil case right now with the contract than it is a criminal case because obviously charges have not been brought against Dr. Luke and that would just be a whole other scenario if and when that happens. Yeah. Nope, it's mm-hmm. true. And like my take on this is that it's not a good case. It's not a good case at all. She does deserve the right to work with other collaborators and other producers and kind of in a sense be released from that contract, but looking at it, it's the Kimo Sabe label. And I think I'm saying that right. Yep. Hopefully. And the Kimo Sabe label is not actually an independent label per se it's run by dr luke yeah it's basically like a still sub label of sony i think it's i don't have a law background the only law class i took in college was a media law and it didn't even come close to covering things like this but sony and dr luke have said that she can work with another producer but only to that label yeah yeah and it's it's kind of like it goes into that power thing again It is, I am so powerful. I have all this power over you. You're still contractually obliged to do this for me. Mm -hmm. And it it just kind of repeats the cycle of how abusers really tend to stick with that power source. And It's, it's scary. It is. And the fact that despite having this fanfare behind her from other artists, which have all mostly been female, where's Pitbull? saying in all of this like pitbull has been a collaborator she's worked with and i thought we're actually friends he should really be saying something too honestly because that would help her case even more um that's just my opinion but sony has pretty much said well you do these we probably won't promote them as well as we want them to or you want them to so your career will just be dead in the water and that's really sucky you can't say you're forced to do this and fulfill your contract and we just won't promote it. Even with the fanfare, it's still – it's kind of questionable. And I think you said that Katy Perry was behind her, but I've read reports where she hasn't really commented on the case at all. She reportedly ignored her phone calls when she asked or called and asked for her support and – a while ago when the case first broke in 2014 she was saying allegedly that it was like sour grapes over someone not having talent and i don't know that's kind of disheartening we don't know what katie perry is actually saying about the case she could just be staying quiet for the sake of staying quiet we don't know but this is just all stuff that's out there and my thing is it is okay to support whoever you want. It can be of the wrong opinion, as many people will think, 
but women don't really have to support other women in the music industry. Sure, it may seem like there's a sisterhood and that women should support women because it obviously sounds like the right thing to do, but you can't actually say, hey, I'm going to do this. You can't tell me otherwise. I don't care about the backlash I'm going to get. This is what's going to happen. And it's great that there are a lot of women supporting her. It really is. It would be better if there were men supporting her as well. And I've seen a lot on Twitter of male musicians talking about the case, kind of musicians that aren't normally associated with Kesha. I know earlier Kevin Devine retweeted something about the case. One day that would actually be a cool collaboration if it ever happens. I <laughs> They would make great music together. Yeah. But um, it's just... I don't know. It's weird and it's complicated and it sucks. It is complicated. And I think what's real complicated is we, I mean, celebrities have their right to their privacy. Like for all we know, Katy Perry is supporting her. Right. Maybe she's not doing it on Twitter. You know, it's like not everything is necessarily always out there for the public, but it's, it's, it's constant speculation. And And even that's hard for people. (laughs) Kelly Clarkson has, I guess, voiced her support but in a weirdly worded Oddly. tweet. Yeah. Very weirdly. It's, uh, where is it? Trying not to say anything since I can't say anything nice about a person. So this is me not talking about Dr. Luke. Right. Right. Which is kind of like, I'm assuming that that's kind of like the don't say anything if you don't have anything nice to say. Right. So I'm assuming that's where she was trying yeah, to go with that. It was just I think not that's what it was, too. <laughs> But like you mentioned, the thing with Katy Perry, we don't really know because people are basically taking her tweets and her Instagram posts and being like, oh, look, Katy Perry posted this shady Instagram about true homies and that sort of thing. And it's like, we don't know what this actually means. We're not Katy Perry. So we can't say why she posted this or, you know, who she's supporting on this situation. Right now, it's all just a bunch of speculation but when you look at you know like dr luke's credits kesha and katie perry have like a very very similar relationship with dr luke as far as you know him producing and co-writing songs with them and you can see he's done a lot more work with kesha and katie perry maybe than the majority of other artists he works with and i thought that was kind of an interesting correlation there because I feel like if, you know, something like this happened to Kesha, maybe it's happened, you know, to other people, like I mentioned earlier, and maybe Katy Perry just wants to stay out of it because things like this can break someone's career so easily that sometimes it's just best for other artists who have worked with someone to not say anything. And I'm not saying, you know, something happened to Katy Perry and she's not talking about it because personally, I don't know that. And none of us would know that unless she said something. Exactly. So I think it's kind of her right to decide to just, you know, stay out of it completely if she wants to. It's not, you know, this is something that Kesha is doing for herself. She's not doing this because of something that happened to someone else. Yeah, it's it's mm-hmm. it's frustrating for me because I feel like I totally agree where not every female musician should be expected to op- openly support this. It's not our business. That's their thing. Maybe it's a contractual clause. Maybe it's a personal struggle with the issue. 
But at the same time, going back to the Fimslane article, one of the quotes from it, um, she was talking about how she has discussed with women for, you know, why they haven't come forward, why they can't talk about it for a, a varied amount of reasons. But the very last part of it really got me. She said, I, you know, I don't have an answer to all of this, but I know one thing. There is strength in logic and numbers, but applying it will be the tricky part. Um, and I really agree with that. Like, it's all about approaching it in a logical way. And maybe tweeting a tweet is not the most logical way to go about supporting in that kind kind of way it's going to be a bigger and like deeper structural kind of support like working from the inside out like working from inside sony to change how this is working and change the perception because when you've got a judge who is supposed to be unbiased and impartial supporting the commercial aspect of it it's like an intrinsic thing it's going to have to start from the inside and i think that's what's really frustrating yeah and with Katy Perry, for all we know, she could have a great relationship with Dr. Luke and maybe right. something just went wrong with him and Kesha, for all we know. So I think it's a little unfair to speculate like the media has right. been on where Katy Perry stands if she hasn't openly said anything about it. And not only is it unfair to Katy Perry, it's also unfair to Kesha because then she's assuming she's not getting that support and... I wouldn't look into it too much with Katy Perry maybe not answering someone's calls because I'm sure we all know that every famous person gets so many calls, they can't take all of them. I mean, I've yeah. seen famous people screenshot things and it's like, you know, they have thousands of text messages on their little message icon on their iPhones. And it's like, obviously, it's sometimes unrealistic to think that someone is going to answer your call even if you are going through something so traumatic as this you know the music yeah, industry I mean, again, isn't going to stop just because of this who the hell reported that right like, oh were you sitting next to kesha or katie perry when you saw kesha's name pop up on her phone yeah and she denied it like come on and exactly like, that's such you know, and that that's what's irritating to me is the whole sensationalism and seeing those articles constantly from the news websites. Like, if this is a big deal, I mean, as it is, you know, corporately, then we need to see reporting coming from outlets that are not worried about, like, someone's butt crack that they took a picture of. So, I don't know. The whole thing is incredibly frustrating. And I think until we get more information, I don't know, I guess as it progresses and more of the the inner workings of what we're seeing – I think we're just going to have to kind of wait for answers and wait to see how it all plays out. But regardless, there this is this is a really important case, I think, for a lot of people within the industry. Yeah, and this is definitely something we'll revisit more as we get yeah. more information. Right now, it seems like the three of us are really kind of on the same page with this. And I think it'll definitely be good to continue to follow up on this as the court proceedings happen and everything. But... Right now, we actually have a listener question this week. I know we haven't had any in a while. So thank you at Andy Kevin for this one. It, we're going to very, <laughs> very groundbreaking stuff. Yes, about we're about to lighten up the mood here because at Andy Kevin would like to know what are your opinions on scooters, more specifically motor scooters? So <laughs> Damn, that's a tough one. <laughs> I know, right? I mean, I used to have, you know, it wasn't the Razor brand, but it was like the next one 
that was kind of up there with those ones. And I can't even remember the name right now, but I had one of, you know, the regular scooters that I would just ride around in our cul-de-sac in circles because that's as far as I was allowed to go. There's no sidewalks in our neighborhood. (laughs) But I've personally never had a motor scooter, never used a motor scooter, but I feel like those are kind of things that are a little harder to use, especially when, you know, you can't really lock them up when you go anywhere. So I feel like people, you know, ride those more for fun than they do for convenience, like people who ride bikes or that sort of thing. But the funny thing is at Drexel, I did see some people who would go to class on their scooters and then take the scooters into class with them, which I thought was very strange, especially considering, you know, how crowded Philly is when you try to go anywhere in between classes. Then again, a bunch of people also rode skateboards to class. So I guess it wasn't I I just wasn't used to seeing, you know, grown human beings on scooters so i mean meanwhile at penn state we had the long borders and the razor scooters and (laughs) skateboards and the bikes same way at baylor yep yeah so i don't i don't really have an opinion one way or the other i think it's weird for adults to use you know non-motorized scooters but if they want to you know ride around the neighborhood on a motorized scooter i'm totally fine with that (laughs) yeah like i'm over here on team razor scooter my brother and I had a few. We were, we were pretty cool kids. Um, I think, no, that he ran into my mom's car on a bike once because it would be not a scooter. Anyway, that's just a nostalgic thing. And I could actually just break into song right here because this question reminds me of the song Downtown by Macklemore. I said he has some good bops and jams, and this is definitely one of them because downtown, <laughs> cruising down the alley. Um I probably just, no, I didn't butcher the song. That's good. <laughs> Plus, Eric Nally from Foxy Shazam is on it, and he is just an amazing vocalist. Okay, anyway, um, motorized scooters, I think of Vespas, and Vespas are wonderful. And I could see myself driving a Vespa, but the only thing that's kind of hindering me from having a Vespa, besides the fact that they're kind of pricey, is that their motor is so powerful that you need a motorcycle license. I don't want to get a motorcycle <laughs> license right now. That's just I just got my Virginia license, even though I've had a Pennsylvania license for years and may or may not have illegally had that license for longer than I should have. <laughs> Hence why I just transferred to a Virginia one. But yeah, motorcycle license for a motorized scooter doesn't make sense to me. So in Austin, scooters are very popular. And I, we're talking like motorized Vespa style scooters. Um We are not a non-car friendly environment in Austin, though. And I have too many friends who have been super stoked, bought these scooters and who have been in accidents. I have I don't know anyone who has been killed, uh, but I do have a lot of friends who have been in very, very serious accidents on scooters here in Austin. Um, So and mostly through no fault of their own. It is typically Austin drivers are not known for being super conscious of things around them that are not cars. We have a lot of auto pedestrian accident, auto motorcycle accidents, um, and auto scooter accidents. So I am anti-motorized scooter, despite the cute KitchenAid colors that they come in. They are very cute. I would love to just like take a picture next to like a mint green Vespa, um, but I'm not getting on that shit. Yeah. See, you guys took this to the street legal motor scooters. I was, you know, thinking of basically the ones that look like razors, but they're a little bigger and motorized and have bigger wheels. Well, I have, I have some students, I have students who ride those to school. And they, they like tie them up at the bike rack. Yeah, see, I feel like that would be a little difficult unless you like 
tied locked it so tight that you couldn't even move the scooter at all because i oh, feel they're, like they're pretty heavy like yeah. the bottom part like this this it's a little sixth grade girl she's so cute on it rides by me every day when i'm on duty <laughs> but it's like this little it's got like the base of it looks like a skateboard right. with like yeah. giant monster truck wheels <laughs> and then it's got a little seat that she sits on and little handlebars but like i don't think i mean i know she that child could not pick it up and move it so she has like a little bike lock like a u-lock that she puts on it um, on the little bike racks and she rides it down the sidewalk to go home and it's kind of adorable. <laughs> uh, but even that, like if I was a parent, I would not let my child ride that to and from school. Yeah. Those p- people speed through school zones. Kids are so stupid. Like I would not trust my child. So, but that's just a teacher perspective. So. <laughs> Overly protective sense. teacher mom mode. Yeah, I can't help it. Yeah, definitely. Well, why don't we go ahead and hit the recommendations for this week? Caitlin, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Speaking of being a protective teacher mom, (laughs) uh, my recommendation for this week is for all of you folks out there who get to do your taxes. um, I use H&R Block, and I always have, but I had a lot more... stuff that I had to take care of this year. I started a retirement account. I have a mortgage on a home. So it got a little more complicated this year. And it took me literally 10 minutes on H&R Block to get my taxes done. So if you are new to doing taxes or you've been sending your shit off to your parents for the past like four years or whatever, you can seriously pay either no bucks or like 15 bucks, depending on what kind of um, forms you have and file through H&R Block in like 10 or 15 minutes. And they they do a guarantee so that whatever they tell you your um, tax refund or whatever you owe is like that, they're guaranteed. Um, so H&R Block for doing your taxes because adulthood. <laughs> uh, and then not adulthood. Um, Pup has a new song. Yes, I'm talking about Pup again. I'm so not sorry. Um, they have a new album coming out this spring and they released a lyric video, which typically lyric videos are fucking stupid, but this one is awesome. It is for a song called DVP. We're going to link to it in the show notes. Um, and it is basically every old video game you ever played as a kid or in like the CC's pizza game room. Um, and they have basically like written all the lyrics over it as like character conversations and it's the coolest fucking thing I've ever seen. I'm like not a huge old school video game nerd, but I still appreciated this. And plus it's Pup and the song is awesome. So again, that's the song DVP. It's on YouTube. It's in a bunch of different places. So number Great one lyric video. Oh, Great yeah. lyric video. Definitely check that awesome. out. <laughs> oh yes. It's very, very cool. All right, Megan. So what do you have for us this week? Yes. I'm going to talk about charities today. I'm feeling charitable. I'm also not James Kassar, and I can't make good puns. I'm sure there's a good pun to be had in there somewhere. Anyway, um, as I mentioned, I went to Penn State. I'm super proud right now to call myself a Penn State student because Thon, the 46-hour dance marathon, just ended a few hours ago. And they raise millions, millions of dollars each year for the Four Diamonds Fund over at Hershey Medical Center, which helps kids who are battling pediatric cancer. This year, they raised $9.7 million, and that is incredible. And I mean, you can totally still support THON, even though THON 2016 is over. Now starts the time to plan for THON 2017. And also, I know I mentioned this a few weeks ago, but John O'Diener put together the Not Safe to Drink compilation, and that came out on the 20th, and it's 77 songs. The donation minimum is $5 on Bandcamp. 
and all the money is going to the Community Foundation of Greater Flint's Child Health and Development Fund. And I think it's great. Also, because there is a brand new Swellers track on there, and it is wonderful. Like, just face-meltingly awesome. And also on this comp is a cover of a Fetty Wap song <laughs> by oh I Set My Friends on Fire. Oh, Lord. Who are apparently still a thing in 2016. <laughs> Who knew? I know. Yeah, I pre-ordered that as well. So I have to go listen to that new Sweller song. And speaking of this, I believe Michael Moore actually tweeted it out. And I think that's really going to help it get a lot more attention. And it's crazy to see just how many songs they got for this. Because I remember when, you know, James Shotwell and Jono were tweeting about it it's like they had maybe 30 songs to begin with I think and it kind of they just kept adding songs because people kept wanting to participate and it's always really awesome to see communities come together like that and especially the music scene and I think he worked with a lot of local artists too from Flint yeah from surrounding areas in Michigan which is even greater because it's getting them exposure on top of like being stacked with great bands like the obsessives and taking back sunday and annie flag yeah definitely Very cool. well i have two recommendations this week the first one is anyways the new ep from the starting line it's been a little while since they've given us new music so this is definitely a great start and i really hope they kind of start making more new music more frequently again because this was three songs and i wanted it to be so many more every time I listen to it. And then my other recommendation, in case any of our lovely listeners don't know, I do have another podcast. It's called Sports Up. We talk a lot about NFL and NBA. It's with my friend MJ Rawls, who writes for Hi-Fi Noise once in a while, Mind Equals Blown, does photography. He writes everywhere, basically. I think he's on like nine different sites at any given moment. (laughs) But if you dig sports, check that out. We will have a hockey episode coming soon, which I know next to nothing about hockey. So this should be very interesting. <laughs> sports, guys. Just just go with it. Sports ball. Sports. Not the modern baseball album. Sorry, James. <laughs> all right. Well, that's all we have for you guys this week. We hope you enjoyed the episode and we hope you enjoy the rest of your day.